Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. Bienvenue à la conférence Transat. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Transat conference call. Je cède maintenant la parole à Monsieur Christophe Enbel, vice-président Affaires publiques. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Christophe Enbel, vice-president Corporate Affairs. Monsieur Enbel, à vous la parole. Please go ahead. Thank you, Frank. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Transat conference call for the presentation of the financial results of the third quarter ended July the 31st, 2021. I'm here with Annick Gerard, President and CEO, and Jacques Simoneau, our interim CFO. Annick will provide her comments and observations on the current situation and on the operational and commercial plans for the future before Jacques reviews the financial results in more details. We will then answer questions from financial analysts. Questions from journalists will be handled offline. The conference call will be held in English, but questions may be asked in French or English. As usual, our investors' presentation has been updated and is posted on our website in the investors' section. Jacques may refer to it as he presents the results. Today's call contains forward-looking statements. There are risks that actual results will differ materially from those contemplated by these forward-looking statements. For additional information on such risks, we invite you to consult our filings with the Canadian Securities Commission. Forward-looking <coughs> statements represent Transat's expectations as at September the 9th, 2021, and accordingly are subject to change after such date. However, we disclaim any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, other than as required by law. Finally, we may refer to IFRS and non-IFRS financial measures. In addition to IFRS financial measures, we are using non-IFRS measures to assess the corporation's operational performance. It is likely that the non-IFRS financial measures used by the corporation will not be comparable to similar measures reported by other issuers or those used by financial analysts as they are, their measures may, be, may have different definitions. The measures used by the corporation are intended to provide additional information and should not be considered in isolation or as a substitute for IFRS financial performance measures. Additional information on non-IFRS financial measures, such as their definition and their reconciliation with the more comparable IFRS measures, are available in our annual report. With that, let me turn the call over to Annick for her opening remarks. Thank you, Christophe. Good morning, everyone. We are announcing today our results for what will hopefully remain Transept last quarter with close to no revenue. We have restarted our operations on July 30th, and the $12.5 million in revenues for our third quarter stems mostly from our incoming tour operating activities in the past. Our results 
or comparable to those of the same quarter last year, with variances owed to the settlement and change in the fair value of fuel deriv derivative contracts last year, and to the foreign exchange effect on our lease liability. This has resulted in an operating loss of $98 million or $51 million on an adjusted basis. We have good reasons to believe that we have seen the worst of the pandemic and that the situation will now only improve from here, even though the variance in the fourth wave forced us to remain cautious we do expect to be operating on a much stronger basis this winter than we have done last year, or since the beginning of the pandemic, for that matter. We currently see good trends in the bookings, even if they tend to come in closer to departure dates than they used to. To this point, our load factors and prices have been satisfying and better than we expected, even if we are still operating of limited capacities compared to pre-pandemic levels. People are still cautious and they decide at the last minute, but it is very clear that they are eager to travel. As we say, vacation is calling again and so is the desire to reunite with your loved ones. It's time to make new memories. Our progressive restart this fall allows us to deal in a sturdy way, progressively recalling and retraining our teams to be ready for the winter season. For this summer season, we started with around 10 flights per week, steadily increasing to 50 flights per week in September, and we will go up to around 70 flights a week in October, with 11 aircraft in operation. We operate 20 routes on South Europe, domestic and transporter programs. All these routes are operated with our Airbus A321s, including nine LRs. As we expected, the A321neo LR proves to be exactly the versatile aircraft we needed. It gives us operational flexibility and efficiency like we've never had before, and it's the perfect sync, and it is in perfect sync with Transat's continued efforts for the environment. It is certainly a clear game changer for the efficiency of our operations right now and for the future. We have started advertising again to make sure that our brand stays on top of the customer's mind when they plan for travel. We are happy to see that our brand has retained most of its attraction power despite this long interruption. Our customers' awareness is still high and our employees are still eager to come back to us. On another key topic, of course, we strongly believe that high vaccination rates are key to the safe restart of travel. And with that in mind, we have since long strongly encouraged all our employees to get vaccinated as soon as they possibly could. We will make full vaccine protection a requirement for working on our planes or in our premises. premises. Everyone must do their part to ensure that we eventually overcome the virus. We are impatient to see the details of the plan legislation on the topic. While restarting our operation, we continued working on the implementation of our five-year plan. With the revamping on our fleet well underway, 
we have started introducing changes in our network by announcing new transborder destinations for next winter. At the same time, discussions around airline partnerships are progressing well, and we plan to tell you more about it in the near future. Over the last months, we have been working to make sure our systems and internal processes are adapted for these types of partnerships. We have made significant progress on that front, and we are ready to move ahead. As we previously announced, we have now shut down our hotel division, which sits President Jordi Soli leaving the company on August 31st. As for our capital structure, the refinancing of our debt remains a top priority as we are looking to gain more flexibility. Part of our objectives are to reduce financial risk while executing our business plan, manage our upcoming 2023 maturities, and reducing debt burden associated costs and loss in value from leaf warrants. On the team front, we are making sure we have the most solid team for the path ahead. The executive team will now include Michel Barr, Vice President, Network Revenue Management and Pricing, as well as Joe Adamo, Chief Sales and Marketing Officer. This will make sure that we have the right people at the table when decisions are made. We are also making good progress in the recruitment of our CFO, and I'm impatient to see such a core member of the team join us. In the meantime, Jacques Simoneau, who knows Transat very well as a board member, has accepted to serve as an interim CFO. Lastly, in late 2018, we announced Jean-François Lemay's departure. Given the circumstances related to the proposed transaction with Air Canada and to the COVID-19 pandemic, we had agreed to postpone his departure. It was subsequently postponed until July 31st of next year. Jean-François has accepted to stay with us long enough to ensure a seamless transition. Jean-François has led Air Transat for more than eight years after playing a major role in our relationships with our unions for many years. He has been instrumental in the redesign of our fleet, which is key to our strategic plan and in our weathering, weathering the COVID-19 crisis. I am confident that with his help, we will find the ideal replacement for his role. So overall, we have been very active both on the restart of our operation and on the planning for the future. We are confident in our capacity to execute our plan, and with Canadian borders having reopened this week for double vaccinated international travelers, we look forward to welcoming our customers again in ever-increasing numbers. I will now give Jacques Simoneau the floor for more details on the quarter's financials. Thank you, Annick. Good morning, everyone. As you likely know by now, on April 29th, we signed an agreement with the Government of Canada that allows us to borrow up to $700 million in additional liquidity through the LEAF program. The $700 million is composed of two parts, a $390 million facility to support operations 
and a $310 million facility as support to reimburse travel credits granted to customers in compensation for flights canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Although we now have access to these new credit facilities, preserving our cash remains one of our top priorities. We are constantly negotiating with our suppliers, including aircraft lessers. Other cost-saving measures have also been either implemented or continued during the quarter. Now about results. Again this quarter, Transat's results were significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, with one of the measures taken in response to the pandemic being the suspension of our airline operations from January 29th to July 29th. So here are a few key accounting measures for the 2021 third quarter. Revenues. Our financial statements show revenues of $13 million, up from the $10 million in 2020, a year which was also greatly affected by the pandemic. These revenues for the quarter were mostly driven by our incoming tour operator in the Sun destinations. Our adjusted net loss is $116 million, which compares with $140 million last year. Note that last year's quarter included expenses of $30 million for settlements of fuel hedging contracts put in place before the pandemic. Overall, the adjusted net loss for the quarter is comparable to this year's Q1 and Q2. Our Q3 adjusted net loss takes into account an increase in our amortization expense as a result of the commissioning of three new Airbus A321neo-LR during the quarter and an accelerated amortization on some of our fixed assets. Now about the net loss attributable to shareholders. As shown in our financial statements, the net loss attributable to shareholders was $138 million, which compares to a lower loss of $45 million last year. This $93 million difference is mainly due to foreign exchange losses and to the change in fair value of derivatives. Indeed, this year Q3 loss includes a foreign exchange loss of $16 million mainly related to the revaluation of our aircraft lease obligations as a result of the weaker Canadian dollars compared to U.S. dollars, a loss which compares to a foreign exchange gain of $28 million last year. Also, last year, our third quarter net loss included an unrealized gain on change in fair value of fuel derivatives of $68 million caused by the recovery in the jet fuel price following the collapse in prices during the Q2-220 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now about balance sheet and cash. The corporation's free cash total $429 million as of July 31st, which is rather similar to the $426 million as shown on our balance sheet at the end of October 2020, or the end of our last financial year. This stability in free cash is due to the proceeds from borrowing $535 million 
during the nine-month period with 365 million during the quarter. Borrowings from the LEAF program to compensate cash use for our operations during the same period. For the quarter, the cash use represents $20 million per month. This amount does not consider the proceeds from borrowings, nor the reimbursement to customers, nor the consideration paid for the purchase of traffic tours. For the rest of the year, the cash used is expected to be slightly higher on a monthly basis, mainly due to the cost of resuming the operation. At the end of Q3, cash in trust, or otherwise reserved, total $126 million. The deposits for future travel stood at $263 million. Of these deposits, $159 million were travel credit vouchers granted to customers in compensation for flights canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and $78 million was held in trust, and obviously not included in our free cash of $429 million at the end of July. Now about debts and liabilities. These liabilities stood at $977 million, which includes 10 A321neo-LR, of which three were commissioned during the Q3. Long-term debt stood at $422 million, compared to $208 million last quarter. During the quarter, we drew an additional $100 million on our $390 million leave facility, and we drew $265 million on the $310 million leave facility for the purpose of reimbursing customers. Noteworthy, and like the accounting treatment for the $390 million leave facility, the accounting treatment of the drawings under this $310 million facility for customers' reimbursement is also particular. Now bear with me for an explanation. As per IFRS, the difference between the fair value of a drawdown under this credit facility calculated using the market interest rate for Transat nowadays, and its nominal value is recognized as a deferred government grant. Therefore, for this $265 million drawdown, an amount of $123 million is included in our long-term debt, and $100 million, $140 million is recorded as a deferred government grant. Finally, off-balance sheet agreements, excluding agreements with suppliers, stood at $545 million, mainly related to the seven Airbus A321neos yet to be delivered as of July 31st. More on reimbursements. Total reimbursements up to until July 1st amounted to $361 million. The difference between reimbursements and the total amount drawn under our credit facility to finance the reimbursements comes mostly from reimbursements made with cash held in trust. At the end of August, 
we had received requests for about 80% of the total amount of travel credits issued, and we made refunds for more than 90% of amounts claimed. Customers had until August 26, 2021 to submit their request refund. Outlook, finally, as you can read in our press release this morning, we will not for now provide an outlook for the remainder of 2021 and the winter 2022. We will now proceed with your questions. Thank you. We will now take questions from only the analysts. If you are if you would like to register a question, please press the one followed by the four on your telephone. You will hear a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If your question has been answered and you would like to withdraw your registration, please press the one followed by the three. Si vous désirez vous enregistrer pour poser une question, veuillez appuyer sur le un suivi du quatre sur votre téléphone. One moment, please, for the first question. Our first question comes from Cameron Dirksen with National Bank Financial. Please proceed. Uh, thank you. Uh, good morning. Um, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you're seeing so far, I guess, in the summer since you've restarted operations. I mean, I appreciate it's a relatively small number of flights, but you know, what are you seeing as far as demand uh, and, and load factors on the flights that you've operated so far through August and to the early part of the uh, September? Uh, the, the level of booking that we have observed so far is uh, encouraging. We are seeing definite recovery in demand, first on the domestic routes, but also on some key international routes such as uh, Montreal, Paris, Toronto, Faro. Uh, we look forward, of course, to a winter season that promises to be much busier than the last one. Uh, when we look at the summer stats right now, um, most of our load factors are around uh, 85%, uh, and the revenues per passenger are similar to what we saw pre-pandemic. So, of course, this is with a small level of activity that needs to be taken into consideration as we are uh, deploying uh, our program permissively. But so far, the, uh, of course, the recovery of our business has coincided with the easing of some constraints in travel, and we will remain agile and are ready to adjust our program as the situation in the market change. And bookings are very last minute, so we have had to adapt to that new pattern since last year, uh, but so far it's going pretty well. Okay, and on the the I guess the sun destination bookings for the winter. If uh, if I go back to the the last quarterly conference call, things were looking fairly encouraging there. Has that has that trend continued? Are you still seeing pretty good, uh, I guess, steady state uh, pace of bookings for the for the sun destinations? Yes, we still see a, a steady pace for the sun destination. Uh, in total, for uh, next winter, we plan to uh, operate flights to three south destination. We will operate, of course, uh, destinations to the U.S. Uh, it's, it's still early for us to be able to comment 
since the pattern, the booking pattern is so last minute. Uh, but we are, we are encouraged with the, um, the, the results we see so far. We, are, we remain cautious, of course, as I was saying in the introduction, because of the uh, pandemic, the fourth wave, and how you know, the different governments around the world will react in terms of uh, borders restriction. However, we feel confident that more and more the consumer is becoming, uh, you know, more, uh, I would say, confident in terms of its safety on board our class and uh, to go and uh, uh, travel uh, with us. Okay, and, and just maybe a final kind of follow-up question on, on the winter uh, destinations. I mean, uh, if you've put out your, your schedule, I'm just wondering if you can give us a sense of what level of capacity you're going to be at this winter versus, say, the, the pre-pandemic level, just any kind of guidelines there as to you know, what level of operations you will be at during the winter. Yes. What we have right now in terms of uh, sales that are, uh, well, destinations that are open for sale, we are at minus 35% of capacity. Uh, compared to uh, the winter of 2019 and 2020. Of course, this is what we have in terms of sales that are open. Uh, we might adjust up or down depending on how demand will react. Uh, I don't think we're going to go down, but we, we never know. Uh, we don't, it's difficult for us to predict. Uh, what's going to happen with the, um, the COVID situation. Uh, and if there are opportunities, uh, as, we have saw, as we have seen for the summer season, where we were able, for instance, to increase the number of frequencies on certain destinations in the month of August, such as Paris, such as Cancun, and Punta Cana, of course, we will do so. Do so. We will readjust. We will take all, jump on all opportunities there is in the market. Okay, and just to clarify, you said you know down 35% capacity for destinations that are open. I mean, relative to I guess winter 2019-20, what what percentage of destinations are actually open? Uh, we have about uh, 23 sub-destinations that are open, five destinations in the U.S. and 15 European destinations. I would say about uh, uh, over 90% of the destinations have been reopened. Okay. Great. No, that's very helpful. Uh, th thanks very much. You're welcome. Our next question comes from Jean-François Lavoie with Desjardins Capital. Please proceed. Yes, good morning and thanks for taking my question. Uh, Annick, you mentioned some uh, potential uh, airline partnership that could be announced. Uh, so I was just wondering if you could provide maybe a bit more details on those uh, partnerships and uh, as well in, in terms of timing, is it something that could be announced uh, before the end of the current fiscal year? Thanks. Yeah. Well, as you know, our network was designed to serve point-to-point -point traffic. Uh, however, as we grow and we want to offer more destinations and options to our clients, we are looking, we have been looking at airline partnership to run an offer. Uh, in recent years, as we recentered our operation uh, around our airline's activities, we have clearly understood the limitations of operating in isolation. Uh, 
so partnership and alliances will be key part of our network development strategy in the short, medium, and long term. We are currently working on different opportunities. Um, we have been in discussion with uh, several partners, potential partners. We believe that Transit is a real gem in North America. Uh, we have strong assets to offer a potential partners looking to increase their footprint between America and Europe and or the South Destination. And our approach is to start with simple bilateral, bilateral agreements, uh, which will allow us to make quick wins, while building a relationship of trust, and this may lead these partnerships to evolve into something more important and strategic. In terms of timing, uh, these discussions have been going on for many months, uh, and we are planning to be able to announce uh, something in the fall. More than one, more than one alliance. Okay, that's great, caller. Thank you very much. And with respect to the the, the current financing that you're looking to uh, to restructure or refinance completely, uh, do you need to uh, appoint your CFO, or this is something that could be uh, uh, considered or com com contemplated in the uh, in the near term as well? Uh, it's being done in parallel. We have redesigned the, um, uh, the I would say, the, the strategy of the refinancing. Our goal is really to uh, reduce the financial risk uh, and proactively, of course, manage the upcoming 2023 maturities. Uh, we want to be able to potentially seek additional liquidity for working capital needs as well and reduce the, the debt burden associated cost overall. Uh, so there, are, there is work that, has been, that is being done right now. We want to make sure that we progress on that front. However, of course, uh, when the CFO uh, uh, gets in place, uh, the person will have a word to say on the uh, strategy that we have started designing. So we're managing this in parallel and make sure that everything's going to be coherent with the arrival of the new CFO and the uh, the strategy that we are working right now with uh, external uh, advisors. Great. Perfect. And then my last question, um, given that the hotel strategy has now been uh, stopped, I was wondering if there was any opportunity to monetize some assets. I know there was uh, two lands in the south, so maybe there's an opportunity to monetize those assets to uh, strengthen the balance sheet. So any color on that front will be helpful. Thank you. Well, the, uh, so as we've explained, uh, we have closed the division during uh, the last quarter, two, three. Uh, so the uh, and now we are the land will be put for sale when the market is favorable. Uh, we are waiting a little bit because of the pandemic. The the, the timing is uh, not the best. However, we have started discussing with different uh, uh, brokers who could help us uh, find uh, potential um, potential buyers. So this is in progress. Uh, we are working. That's going to be part of our priorities for the upcoming month as uh, the market picks up, and uh, we will make sure that uh, we execute on that plan. Great. Thank you very much, and congrats for uh, the cash management in the quarter. Thank you. 
Our next question comes from uh, Corner Gupta with Scotia Bank. Please proceed. Thanks and uh, good morning, everyone. Um, so maybe just a clarification first. Um, so I, I heard uh, on the call you guys said uh, I think um, 80% of the travel credits have been uh, requested for refunds. Um, but uh, in the presentation, I think it says about 90% of the credits uh, um, that you have issued have been requested for refund. So just just confirming the numbers, is it 90% refund request and you have fulfilled 80% or is it the opposite? Okay. Okay. Uh, well, we have been able to refund our customers who, who wanted it, thanks, of course, to the loan of the federal government, the uh, 310 uh, million. Uh, at the end of August, we had made refunds for more than 90% of the requested that had been made by our customers. So customers had from April uh, 29 to August 26 to request a refund using uh, the form on our website, of course. Uh, and customers' deposits as of July 31st uh, included these travel credit vouchers for canceled trips related to COVID, of course, amounting to 159 million compared to, compared with 505 million as of April 30th, 2021. Uh, so we have received a request for about 80% of the amount of credits issued and made refunds for more than 90% of the amounts that have been claimed at the end of August 2021. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is clear enough for you. No, that, that, that's good. Yeah, just uh, so something a little bit different in the presentation, so making sure. Okay. Thanks, um, Annie, for that. And then uh, on the cash burn guidance, uh, I think uh, similarly I heard uh, you guys are expecting a slight uh, increase in cash burn uh, for the remainder of the year as you uh, ramp up operations. Um, like with the kind of forward bookings you're looking at right now and, you know, maybe 80% or 90% of the requests uh, you have received for refunds are almost kind of fulfilled. Uh, like if you, if you go further out, maybe over the winter period, uh, would you anticipate uh, at some point to be crash cash break even uh, instead of burning cash or it's still too soon to call that? Well, I would say it's a little bit too soon uh, to say. Of course, we were able to drop our uh, cash burn uh, from, if we recall last year, 35 to 40 million per month to 20 million per month. Uh, we need to take into consideration as well that there's a one-time cost to the uh, resuming of our operation, which is mostly due to the training of our pilots. There's about uh, 20 million in cost, an additional cost to be re to restart our operation. So that's uh, that's one-time cost. We are pleased right now when we look at the operation, of course, it's still early to say, but our operation is able to cover more than the variable costs. So it's, it's uh, compensating for some of our fixed costs as well. So we are pleased to see that. But at the same time, as I'm saying, there is uh, additional cost, one-time cost for the, the training. So we anticipate that we should be around this is about the only prediction that we make uh, at this point, but we are we anticipate to have a cash burn around uh, 20 million per month for the upcoming for the uh, fourth quarter. 
Uh, of course, we're going to try to beat that. We have all the measures taken to delay all the payments with all the suppliers, uh, especially with the uh, aircraft lessors. Uh, we are very strict on all uh, cost management measures, payments, and uh, this is in place, and this will remain in place for many months to come, uh, and I would say many years. So uh, this is what we anticipate for now. Okay, that's good, Kala, thanks. Uh, and just if I can clarify on that cash burn uh, guidance you provided. Um, at any point uh, in the near future, uh, do you have uh, any, you know, uh, delayed payments uh, that you negotiated with the, the leasing companies? Uh, would you have to start making those payments uh, this year? Uh, not for this year, not for 2021. They have all been delayed late 2022, more in the fall. Uh, following uh, strong negotiations that we had with the, the lessors. Uh, for some of them, we were able to reduce overall payments, uh, but most of them it was more around uh, protecting our cash. So no impact on the cash on the uh, P&L, but uh, significant impact on the cash flow uh, for the upcoming 12 months. Positive, positive impact. Okay, no, that's, that's great, thanks. And last one for me before I turn it over. Um, you mentioned uh, domestic uh, is uh, recovering faster than international routes, which is kind of obvious in this uh, in these environment uh, conditions. Uh, but I just wanted to understand, in terms of your kind of short-term um, you know, capacity as well as your five-year plan, where do you see domestic uh, as percentage of your overall network? Uh, where does it fit? Like, is it going to be something like 20% of your business overall, or could that be more than 20%? In the plan we have designed so far, uh, the domestic market uh, represents around, uh, well, depending on the <laughs> passengers. And uh, if we look at overall capacity, it represents a little more than uh, 15% the plan we've designed for the upcoming years. However, uh, as we move along with potential partnership, this, uh, this percentage might change. Uh, so this is something we're going to keep evaluating as to what's best for us to operate it by our own network or is it better uh, in terms of return on investment to um, share part of our uh, domestic with others. I'm just saying this as an example. It's going to be the same on the SARS market, the same on the transborder and the European market. So to answer your question, uh, at this point, what we have in the program is a little more than 15%, uh, but depending on the alliances, we, we, we could readjust. That's great. Uh, thanks uh, for all the answers and uh, all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Tim James with TD Securities. Please proceed. Uh, thanks. Good, good morning. I'm just wondering if I could uh, sort of follow up on, on some questions about what you're seeing in terms of bookings. I'm just wondering if, if in recent uh, weeks you've seen or believe you've seen any impact on bookings coming from 
the, uh, the, the, the pickup in, in COVID cases or the fourth wave specifically, just as, as some other airlines around the world are kind of starting to cite some, some softness in the recovery trend. Are, have you seen anything or can you uh, attribute anything to that? We haven't seen since the, uh, I would say, the, the announcements or more the, uh, the announcements around the fourth wave, around Delta, around the new as well, the new variants. Uh, we haven't, haven't seen uh, uh, less of a pickup in the bookings. The trend has remained uh, steady uh, over the last months for summer bookings as well as for winter bookings. Uh, actually, we, it, it has gone up a little bit because of the, the easing of the restrictions at the border, at the Canadian border, which was conducted in three phases, uh, the last being uh, this week. And we saw a small pickup this week, uh, especially on European destination for the upcoming weeks and on the winter season. So of course, this is what we're seeing at this point, depending on how the situation will evolve. There's still a lot of uh, uncertainty in the market. We will readjust, but so far, uh, the trend is steady. Okay, thank you. And then just one last question. Um, I'm just thinking about your remaining uh, 321LR purchase commitments. Yes. Um, would you ever consider delaying those deliveries at this point in order to preserve cash? And, and I'm just thinking if, you know, the recovery stalls, things take longer. Um, or do you feel those aircraft are crucial regardless of, of how the recovery, how strong or how weak the recovery is over the next kind of six to 12 months? Part of these, uh, well, first of all, to the, the A321 is the key, key, key asset for us in the recovery and the, in the execution of our plan. It allows us to, as I said, to bring, uh, to give us a lot of flexibility and it gives us a strong competitive advantage in North America compared to all of our competitors. Because the, the A321LR allows us, uh, of course, to reduce the operating, maintenance, and training costs, but it'll allow us to attain as well cockpit commonality, which provides several advantages, including the mixed flying concept uh, with Airbus. So this is extremely important for us. As for delays, we have among the seven that are to come, we have delayed them. They will be delivered between 2022 and 2024. They were delayed. Uh, delayed. Uh, we negotiated with the uh, IACAP, the suppliers, to delay them for a while. Uh, and we will adapt. We will adapt and see uh, what's possible and what's not. The, the, depending on demand. So we are being very careful. Of course, when we look at our plan right now, our five-year plans, we don't have enough aircraft to be able to execute our plan. Because we are at 33 aircraft and the plan uh, goes, if we look at five years from now, we will move up to more than 50 aircraft. So at one point, we will have to reorder uh, new aircraft. Uh, these will be a mix of LRs and XLR uh, that will be in the market, and a, a mix as well of the um, uh, uh, narrow bodies, so 
CEOs, A320, A321 CEOs or A321 uh, NAOs. So this is something we are all looking at right now. We are adjusting, of course, we've done a five-year uh, fleet plan, but uh, we have made sure that we have flexibility with the loan, the, the, uh, the lessors to be able to delay or even uh, uh, or advance, move up uh, the delivery. In parallel, of course, we have delivered all the payments with all the different lessors to make sure we would put up our cash. Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. Thank you. So thank you, everyone. And uh, with that, let me just remind you that our fourth quarter results will be released on December the 9th, 2021. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you very much. That does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your line. Cela conclut la conférence téléphonique d'aujourd'hui. Merci et bonne journée. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.